Right, I'm gonna start this again. Noreen, I think you're in in the chat. Is it possible you could give us a little uh, a little message if you can hear me? And I'm hoping this can uh, this is all going live. And yeah, I can see people popping in. So what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give us the intro jingle again. I'm gonna introduce it all, but I will not start from the top, and we'll we'll make this work. So yeah, thanks for staying with me. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. You're all incredibly lucky. Podbean and the powers that be thought the start was so good that we should hear this intro jingle again. I'm not going to start from the top and repeat everything, but I think I know where I'm going to pick up from. I'm really excited to welcome our guest, Catherine Kafferke, our new head at Trinity Academy Leeds, who's going to walk us through some of the biggest updates from her start in her new school, as well as going through some of the biggest headlines from the previous year. Thanks for coming back. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Well, I tell you, there are ways to get your heart rate up. And considering the amount of chocolate I've had in the last few weeks, that was not the thing I needed at five past 12. So everyone disappear, then everyone's back in. So Are I'll blame the, uh, your I'll blame the Norfolk for- Wi-Fi on that one there. Norfolk Wi-Fi has uh, let me down a little bit, but I think we're all back in the room. I can see our guest is waiting in the wings. I can see some people liking, and I can see my little microphone jumping up and down, which means you can all hear me, which is fab. So briefly, without going through that whole story again, we're looking back at the last year to try and figure out what are some of the mistakes maybe we've made, we've seen that we can learn from. So instead of maybe how social media perceives everything and, you know, putting your best foot forward and your best profile picture up there, being a bit more honest and thinking, right, what bits of evidence are we going to miss? Because we maybe don't want to share some of those challenges that we've had in the uh, the last year and so on. So that's what that's really what we're doing today. Um so if it's not really a case, we're not trying to parade everyone's failings, you know, um, but it's more just, you know, appreciating things that maybe didn't go to plan in the last year and ways that we're going to make them a bit better moving forwards. Um, so I'm going to introduce our guest now. And um, she's um, been very patient, especially with my poor tech there. I'm, I'm embarrassed. But um, I'm going to introduce. So we're joined today by Kat, Catherine Kafferke, and she's a, a new head in Leeds. And it's a very similar position to... Uh, myself but um Catherine can you hear me okay I can hear you can you hear me it's crystal clear I'm I'm really impressed that you're you're better than me at this which is fantastic um do you want to just briefly kind of introduce yourself to the listeners like you know who you are where you're based what you're about you know just the essentials that'd be grand yeah, no problem. And thank you for having me on. And I've just seen a Merry Christmas to all of you. So Merry Christmas back. Um, yeah, um, my name is Kat Kafferke, um, and I am principal of um, Trinity Academy Leeds, which is a brand new school that opened its doors in 2021 to a cohort of 240 students. Um, it is um, in an area of high deprivation. It's in East Leeds in the Bermontoffs Richmond Hill Ward. Um, and um, over the last year or two years, really, um, from writing the initial bid, um, from concept to concrete, really, 
um, working with a team of architects and builders, um, the school um, has come into being um, and it's been a really exciting year, although as you indicate, a year that's also had some unprecedented challenges um, and, and changed the ways of working, particularly when trying to build a new school. Um, previous to, to that role, I was Senior Vice Principal at um, Cathedral Academy, um, which is a school in Wakefield, um, also within the Trinity Multi-Academy Trust. Um, so for me, um, it was great to be able to bring over some of the practices from our mat, but also to really put a stamp on um, what I wanted the new school to be like, um, which has to have a vision that's obviously uh, contextualised for the learners and the, and the community that it serves. Yeah, no, that's all all really, really good context. Thanks for that, um, Kat. So just I'm going to pick up on a few points you made there, because I think it'd be I'm really excited about this chat, because uh, even though you and I are in similar positions, the new school, I think our routes into those roles are probably slightly different. Um, and I think especially the ability to leverage these conversations. Hopefully there are people listening who, you know, want to be in your position in X number of years. And I think getting a bit of insight from the challenges, the successes you've had would be really useful. So just picking up that, you mentioned you're part of um, the Trinity Multi-Academy Trust. Mm -hmm. how, um, how long have you been in that trust altogether prior to this new headship role? Um, so I started off um, early in my career actually working within Leeds. I worked in mm -hmm. Armley um, okay. and then in Pudsey um, and then I moved across to be head of English at um, Cathedral um, mm -hmm. and then um, we joined Trinity Matt um, several years ago um, and I was senior vice principal at that school. So um, for me, being senior vice principal and then having the opportunity at the same time to write this bid um, was really exciting because it brought me back um, to where I grew up and also where I live uh, now. Um, so, yeah, it's been really exciting and the mat's been instrumental in giving me um, advice, but also very much so giving me the freedom to do to do what I want to do, especially because I wrote the bid. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been a really good partnership and a, and a support mechanism for me. And when you were writing the bid, was that uh, in conjunction with your senior VP role or was that um, did that come after that role? If that no, makes it, sense? Was, it was actually during it. It was like mm. doing another MA, um, but it was so exciting okay. because the more that I was sort of delving into um, the area of Leeds in which our school is based, the more excited I got. Um, and uh, so it was really a labour of love. But of course, it was one where I had to uh, balance my time. Um, obviously, I was, you know, um, also working with and supporting young people in Wakefield, particularly year 11s and exams and, you know, um, being on duty a lot as senior leaders were during the uh, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, making breakfast, things like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was great. Um, but, yeah, it was quite um, an, an interesting time to juggle everything, but certainly one that I enjoyed looking back on. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that. It's like the roller coaster, like at the time, petrifying, you know, hating it. But when you look back, it's they're the things that you remember. I, I agree with that on with you mm -hmm. on that one. So with the um, I'll, I'll tell you a bit about myself and then I'd be interested to see how, what your route was. Okay. So I joined um, the trust I'm currently working at exact, almost exactly a year ago. And I had the nine months up until this September just gone to kind of prep the school, get it open and so on. What was your lead time? So, um, I mean, once you've moved on from the senior VP role, how long were you exclusively working for your current school? Um, so I would say I had about six months in the run-up, mm. um, but I've been involved again right from the start. So, um, you know, actually for me, that was a bonus to be able to attend all of the design meetings, to work with the architects, to work with Leeds Lep. Um, so I had... Um, 
really such a steer on everything. Um, and what was one of the most incredible parts of it, I think, is um, as educators, you don't really get to see that side of the construction industry. Um, sure. It's a different way of working. And that really, really um, excited me. Um, and I was able not only just to learn from things that I've seen that didn't work, but also put in things that I was passionate about. Um, so, you know, um, being able to design the spaces um, to make sure that the, the curriculum could be delivered um, properly, the pastoral spaces, um, the, the colours of the carpets, you know, this well, mm. even where the plug sockets went, um, you know, and having some good challenging conversations with architects about needing this particular wall here or this particular seating here, um, as well as, as things like, um, you know, trying to champion the fact that I did want nine fully functioning science labs and and various things. So, um, yeah, it, it felt like um, uh, quite a short time and quite an intense time, but I was really grateful for the fact that I was in there from the very start. Um, and yeah. a lot of that time, as you all know, um, is not eaten up, but prioritised on um, really making sure that parents and the community know that you're going to be open and having yep. faith that you're going to be open. And then, of course, recruiting that um, founding team of staff, um, which, again, during the pandemic was interesting um, and uh, because a lot, a lot of that was done online. Um, so, yeah, it was um, a very intense whirlwind but um, of a time, but, gosh, so exciting. I mean, a, a real dream opportunities, I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, those building meetings, so we have, we're in a temporary accommodation now and our, our proper builds are a year away from being ready. But I remember sitting in those meetings and the builders and construction and architects throwing around these acronyms that I don't have a clue <laughs> over. And they're like, yeah, how many plugs do you want on the wall? And it's those, yeah, the color of color of walls and where, where do the toilets go and so on. Um, how was the how has the support been, or, or lack of, I, I'm not too sure, but how's the uh, relationship been between you and the local authority? So the only reason I ask is in my previous school, it was a very standard, you know, we bid for the school, the government gave the free school, and then they yeah. told the LA, oh, by the way, we've approved this free school. Mm -hmm. Whereas the one I'm in now is very different. It's a presumptive bid. So Same this here. one was, yeah. yeah. So so yours is presumptive? Yes. So I think um, what had made, what has made it such a smooth um, process is really the fact that um, we did have so many students needing placements at secondary school during the period yeah. that the school was there. So it wasn't a case of, you know, local schools thinking, oh, here's a map that's empire building or you know we've looked at the heat map and drawn an x it was literally mm. about these students have nowhere to go if this school yeah. isn't been built and um, so working with the la working with leeds lep working with our contractors um we've had such a short time scale to turn this around. I think a lot of people thought that I was a complete lunatic at certain points when <laughs> I showed them around the cavity of the building and said, no, we'll be open in September. Um, yeah. I've always had faith and I've, the team around me have been absolutely exceptional. And I think together, being able to be flexible, been able to be humble about it and grateful for the fact that, you know, we're having this opportunity. Um, and um, I think that's really helped to make it a reality. Um, if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it definitely does. It definitely does. Now thinking about your background and like um, your experience within teaching, mm -hmm. um, did that influence anything in terms of like the design of the building or where you felt you needed to recruit to based on your own strengths and maybe your own self-identified gaps and so on? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, massively. Um, I mean, I really am um, a very sort of, um, well, like hands-on leader. I do want to be um, absolutely involved in all elements of the school and setting up a new school really gives you that opportunity um, so for me, um, I, where how the curriculum was, you know, we talk about curriculum-led budget planning, it needed to be a curriculum-led building. So, um, you know, for example, making sure that the, the top of the three stories was um, a, um, a dedicated STEM centre so that we can actually have maths 
and science and computing working together um, on the same floor because um, we know the you know the commonalities between the way that maths is taught between them having them on the second floor and a language focus really making sure that the library and I calling it the library controversy <laughs> um, is um, is the center of that space and that our SEND provision our um, you know breakout rooms our English rooms our language um, areas mm. are all on that and then the, the bottom floor um, the ground floor of course lends itself to to practical subjects so um, the design particularly of, of the performing arts spaces was massive um, for me um, it was yeah. something that I was really committed to our specialism is voice and making sure that students had uh, were able to access a world-class education in facilities that lent itself to, to providing that. So it was incredibly exciting. I do have a bright pink sports hall, which caused consternation. <laughs> um, a contractor rang me up in the middle of the night practically and said, do you know what this colour is? I said, yes, I've chosen it. Um, yeah. so there are some quirks, but I think that reflects, again, uh, you know, the, the leader who, who's there. I'm sure you, you have, you've got similar ones. Um, and also really just trying to push push the envelope every single turn. You know, I, I'm serving a, a cohort of students who, who don't have a lot. Um, you know, mm. I'm talking 70% people premium, um, the yeah. highest practically in the country, um, 80% EAL, 42 different languages from 56 different feeders. I haven't got time. You know, I, I've got to start closing these gaps. So for me, asking for, um, a, you know, a multi-use um, gymnasium, asking for a climbing wall, asking for the auditorium, that I wanted, asking for both speakers. If I'm not going to ask, who's going to ask? So, um, you know, I really, really did, you know, go quite hard on times about who, who, who this was for and what this school was going to do in the local area. Um, and I think all of the contractors and, and the LA, uh, I know, uh, really got on board with not just it being a building, but um, it, the mission and the vision behind it, what we're trying to do for the young people in the area. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think gone are the days where, you know, the school opens at nine and then closes at four. It's like mm -hmm. how we can, especially in our area as well, it's how can we get as much community buy-in and yeah. use of hopefully what's going to be part of the, you know, the new centre for the area that we serve and the families. It's more than the, the 240 pupils, isn't it? It's their, their so, parents, yeah. their family, their younger brothers and sisters and so on. I agree with you as well in terms of if you're not going to ask those questions, who's got it? Because a lot in those meetings, and I understand why, it's um, you get that kind of feedback of, well, this isn't DFE spec. And yes. it's like, okay, well, well, we got to make it work. I, I, I need more than four lights in the hall because of X, yeah. Y, and Z or whatever it might be. And you're right. It's in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's trying to find, it's that where can you push or where can you uh -huh. save a bit here because this isn't needed, but this would be really beneficial for those, that, like I say, that community that you're serving. Uh -huh. With that, taking that a bit further. So I, uh, when we went through, so my background is I'm a, I'm a science teacher. So when we got onto the labs, I felt like I had a good idea in terms of experience and previous use of what that space looked like. But then when we get onto the drama side, I definitely don't have the experience, but we're lucky because we're quite a large trust. We've got directors across subjects and we can kind of get them in for the meetings mm -hmm. and, you know, have those discussions. What, what did that look like for you from that trust aspect? It's, um, how did you use them or how did they kind of put their services out there for you to help with this process? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I did harness all the expertise and I didn't just harness expertise from within um, my map, but also mm. from educators um, who, who, are, who are doing brilliantly elsewhere. Um, my former role was, um, you know, a teaching and learning lead, um, also um, led on year 11 achievement. Um, mm -hmm. So I've had a very strong 
understanding of how I wanted the spaces to be, how I wanted them to work. But I think what I needed most help with was the ordering of the, um, you know, the resources really, or the assets, you know, what exactly do we need? As you mentioned, performing arts um, in terms of lighting, what do we absolutely need? Say if we're thinking about ADT in terms of machinery to be able to deliver the curriculum, not just for a bunch of very shiny, excited year sevens, but also as we're getting up to, you know, teaching qualifications. Um, And that can be quite a leap to think in five years time, because as we know, qualifications and specifications change quite rapidly. You know, we're having to make a lot of decisions now for five years time. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely drew on the um, experience and knowledge of, of subject experts across the mat. And many of those came into the design meetings with me. Um, mm-hmm. I also, where I had employed um, staff early in the journey um, who were very experienced and talented and, um, you know, lucky to have such a strong founding team. Um, I brought them in as well um, because I wanted to make sure that they had ownership. So an example of that yeah. is our, our curriculum leader for PE, who's very experienced, um, really had a clear idea about how he wanted the sports hall to be, maybe not bright pink, um, but also <laughs> about the machinery that went in there, about how he was going to be doing the routines for students getting changed, all those things that really sort of fostered a sense of ownership and um, that people were getting or staff were getting their special areas and they had a, a say in that. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was as you know, it was sort of like Christmas came early many, many days when you just got boxes and boxes and boxes of things. <laughs> um, yeah. And there was one time when I was, I had this amazing sort of, um, I thought it was going to be an amazing inset planned. And I think I delivered half of that. And then we had to kind of stop. And we were just a production line of passing boxes to each other so that we could actually yeah. get them out of the way so the students would be able to sit down somewhere um, but all of those experiences you know when you're up against it when you're doing something um, you know innovative and exciting they bring you closer together and then um, I think as a founding team not just staff and students we celebrate that all the time you know you've got to have that pioneering spirit you, you talked about you know the the, um, the saying that's not on the spec which I mm. have suffered with many times um, mm. But I feel like, um, you know, it is something that, um, yeah, bonds you and you, you have to roll with the punches, so to speak. You can't be het up on everything. Um, you've got to keep the end goal. You know, we will be open um, it firmly in sight. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you mentioned there about that, the hiring, those first, it's so exciting. It was for me, I'm sure it was for you. It's mm-hmm. so exciting making those first hires where you're like, these are the big pieces of the puzzle. You know, this is this is that first team who's going to help drive the vision forward yeah. and that first year group of pupils. And But also it's counteracted by the difficulty that we had with COVID, whereby we couldn't physically invite anybody in for them or yes. get them in front of pupils. And it's, but it's all, it's all just part of what makes up the, that, the last year, the last two years that we've had. Um, I've got one more question. We're going to have a bit of an ad break, if that's all right. Okay. So um, with the uh, pupils, you mentioned 240 pupils. That's, mm-hmm. like, that's a real big opening year. Mm-hmm. If you were to look back on those six months that you were kind of prepping, um, you know, the school for opening and so on and making the hires and everything, what would you would you have changed anything? Like if you could talk to yourself back in January or when you went solely for this role, would you have changed anything or the way you did things or spent more time okay. somewhere yeah, I think it's really difficult um, to go back and, and, and think like that because um, mm. I think one of the difficulties is um, when you are selling a school to start with, you're selling what it, um, or to parents, um, you, you're, you're sort of selling what it might be. When you're talking to staff about joining, um, you're talking about something that is 
going to be. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's the big challenge. Whereas this year I'm able to stand up in front of parents and say, this is who we are. This is what mm-hmm. we deliver. You know, ha- this is a choice for you. Um, and similarly, when I'm going out to recruit for my second round of staff, I'm able to say, look, this is who we are. Um, and if this is something that you're interested in, if we're for you, brilliant. If we're not, absolutely fine. There's that level of certainty um, that you're able to have in the second year because you're open. Um, because you know students are in your school so I don't know if I'd change anything in terms of I, I did a lot of legwork ringing parents and um, you know campaigning and, and getting the name of the school out there um, but I think this year I feel I'm in an even stronger position because um, we know who we are now um, and the uncertainty of whether we're going to open or not um, isn't isn't there so I think I, I wish for that level of certainty at that point earlier on um, but I didn't have it um, and uh, that wasn't realistic. So I think I probably did as much as I could, given that um, I was just really wanting the school to open. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that answer. And I agree. It's little things. So we were putting together some PR materials and it's nice to have photos of the kids in the yeah. uniform. Just yeah. little things like that where they can go, oh, that I know that kid. I live next door to that child. Or yeah. these are the actual staff and these are the faces of the ki- yes. people who are teaching your children. It makes such a massive difference to have massive. a space you can actually invite people in into and yes we can do tours and you can see the fabric of the school mm-hmm. um but yeah no i i really like that uh, that answer cat thanks for that okay. so what we're going to do now so everyone listen we're going to have a quick pause and cat if you're okay to uh, hang on the line for a few more minutes and I'll, I'll put a few more questions to you but um yeah thanks for everyone and if if you do want to ask cat a question within the podbean app is the way to do it um or if you send us a tweet and copy in the hashtag tt radio we'll be able to pick it up then but cat will speak to you in a couple minutes okay no problem Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the SSTA union is calling for a delayed opening for schools after the Christmas holidays because of the Omicron variant. Seamus Searson, General Secretary of the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association, said... If the numbers keep going up, and it looks like that is going to be the case for some time to come, then we are not going to be in a fit state to reopen schools as normal in January. 
We're already hearing of schools that are not fully staffed and parents are keeping their kids off to ensure they don't catch COVID in the run up to Christmas. The idea that we need to keep schools open at all costs just doesn't add up. Delaying the start of the new term would give teachers more time to prepare for mitigation measures. A Scottish Government spokesman said, the Scottish Government is not considering school closures. As the First Minister has made clear, protecting the education of children and young people remains a top priority. England, a teaching union has warned of a perfect storm of Omicron-related absences, following Nadeem Sahawi's letter to school leaders urging them to encourage ex-teachers back to the classroom. General Secretary of the NAS UWT, Dr Patrick Roach said, far more action is needed to improve the current market for supply teachers, which is nothing short of a national scandal. The government must address the delays with the DBS clearances and meet the costs of DBS certification so those teachers who do return to the profession are not left paying the bill. Dr Roach said that without guarantees from the government on teachers' pay and working conditions, the teaching supply crisis will continue for some time to come. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This week we're going to look at one of the simplest, freely available yet least used browser technologies, the Reader View. Chrome versus Edge, let the battle commence. On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening reader view. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar, by typing read followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also you can simply press F9. Before you can open reader view in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to Immersive Reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that is reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font and text width on the screen, but they differ in background colour features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers 8 background slash contrast colours, 4 light and 4 dark. Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader. Round 4, Editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point Chrome Reader. Round five, extra features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives, and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences. 
featuring line focus of five, three or one line blocking out the rest of the page. There's a picture dictionary allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score! Winning with four points to two after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Perfect, and welcome back. So we're we're in the final stretch now, and I've had a few um, questions sent my way out. If, if you don't mind me kind of pinging them towards you. So the first one was um, it's from Martin. It says, what is top of your to-do or priority list in the new year? As a new head, I can tell you my list is huge, but <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on that one, Kat? Your top priority list in the new year? Um, my top of my priority list um, is to recruit my second round of staff. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously we're in, again, um, a second wave of a pandemic or is it a third or fourth wave of the pandemic? <laughs> Um, yeah. So people's safety will always be there. But in terms of um, making sure moving forward, we have a staff team that are, um, you know, as strong as our founding staff team that is going to be taking um, up to three months of that first half term um, yeah. to, to recruit staff to those positions. And we mm-hmm. are looking to recruit another 15 um, to 17 teachers, um, which, as you can appreciate in terms of shortlisting and interviewing, is no mean feat. Um, yeah. Other priorities um, to do with making sure that students have a really um, positive start back after the Christmas holidays. We know that that's mm-hmm. been two weeks. Um, we know that a lot of our students do have quite complicated and difficult lives. Um, making sure that our, we do call it, you know, the, the limb of, you know, warm, strict approach um, is there from the off, that we are a reliable, um, comforting presence and those high expectations are still there for our for our young people, many who we've already seen through the Christmas period because we did a, a towel Christmas where luckily we were able to take quite a lot of them to the theatre, etc. before um, uh, massive changes were made. Um, so, yeah, um, making sure that we're getting back to um, towel business as usual, um, but also having an eye out for, um, you know, the new staff and the recruitment process. Yeah, brilliant. So your numbers uh, for staff when you're getting say 15 to 17 is that a doubling of staff is that slightly more is that like what does that look like in terms of Um, how big the staff body gets yeah so that's um making sure that we can deliver the curriculum for year two in terms of teaching staff um and also just prioritizing where we need support staff um you know in pastoral areas also within uh, you know catering and admin office so um i would say it's pretty much a doubling but along different roles um so an example of that would be that you know within the first year um budget allowing we we could we could hire a curriculum leader for performing arts but our performing arts um, leader who's exceptional um, is a drama specialist and we weren't able oh, to hire a music specialist in that first year um, so yeah. it's nice to be able to, to go out as you say for some really key missing pieces of the jigsaw this year um, you know roles which are out at the moment include um, it's a little plug this Benjamin um, <laughs> coordinator for music but also computing and um, you know again roles which were filled by other teachers teaching out of specialism in the first instance um, you know there are challenges with that as you know um, but um, yeah we're looking forward to, to recruiting some more subject specialists. 
Yeah, for anyone who's listening, and in case you didn't know, that's that's one of the biggest and most interesting challenges is how do you teach, you know, a curriculum that a year seven deserves with all the subjects with, you know, a, an understaffed essentially body in terms of specialisms and so on. But yeah, I'm again, excited to hire more of those specialists to plug some of those gaps, hopefully in, in, the, in the coming months. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah, thanks for that. So the second question that was sent through from Nick was how... Um, did the COVID in the run up to Christmas, um, how did you find um, the staffing? Did it impact you massively? Were there changes you had to make to curriculum or the school day? Or was it just kind of business as usual? You just got through it quite, quite luckily um, in that run up to Christmas. I think, and you'll you'll appreciate this, but any discussions around COVID um, are um, really um, difficult when you've only got the one year group. Um, because for some schools, you know, huge schools where they've got five year groups and a sixth form um, and a huge body of staff, um, the complexities, are, you know, are, are, are greater. You know, in, in the midst of the pandemic, um, our year seven would have been a bubble. Um, so we've been able, we've been very fortunate that we've been able to use spaces um, sensitively, that we've been able to um, make sure that our students are you know, safe at all times. Um, and we've been lucky, um, and I say lucky, that um, uh, our staff body haven't been affected um, too much by that. Um, but where we have had positive cases, we've been able to um, utilise teachers from uh, within the staff um, body because um, a lot of the teachers are teaching under their required hours as a year seven only cohort and um, they were quite happy to pitch in um so we, you know it's been it's been relatively calm i would say in the run-up to christmas yeah yeah i i agree there's a there's loads of challenges with a small school but one of the one of the advantages mm. is that that small student body you know the the space that you can take advantage of but yeah. no that yeah, I, I agree with all of those and then the the final one we have is from kirsty it says um, are your how many schools are in your uh, map first of all, Kat? Okay, so we have um, ten academies, um, and we're across three phases. So we mm-hmm. have primary schools, um, secondary schools, and we also have a sixth form. Um, the schools are mainly located within the um, Calderdale region. This is the first school that we've had in Leeds, um, and we actually opened um, again a, a, an interesting position. We've opened two free schools this year, uh, one. <laughs> in Leeds and then one in Barnsley so that has also been a great support for me to be able to talk um, to uh, the other principal um, about um, his journey as well and and they're also in temps similar to you so they're um, you know really excited about moving into their building um, in the next couple of years Um, so yeah we are a small-ish um, Matt, um, but I believe that what we do, well, I know that what we do makes a really big impact um, and it's been great to grow steadily. Um, and uh, I'm really pleased that we're in Leeds. Yeah, yeah, I, I do miss it. So I went to uni in Leeds. I do miss it loads. So I'm definitely going to message you after this and see if I can get a visit I'm sorted. Visit, so I can... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. So for the last just 10 minutes, if you still have the time, I was just going to kind of just discuss a couple of the biggest stories from last year and just kind of see, see your take on it. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting because obviously you and I have been in a similar position in terms of work. Some of these might not have affected us that much, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw them to you if that's okay anyway. So from uh, July to August, the, the the biggest news that I found when doing a bit of a, a trawl through the cut, the electronic cuttings was it was obviously through the um, the exam results and um, the widening of the gap, you know, and it was mainly the gap that was growest biggest, growing biggest in terms of the inequality was those for pupils of different socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. 
Now, you mentioned that your school, where it's placed, serves a lot of pupils from whether it's um, high pupil premium, free school meals, um, mm. English as an additional language and so on. Um, what have been some of the things you've learned in the first three months of school and obviously writing the bid and preparing the school? What would what are some of the kind of nuggets of useful information that you've had to kind yeah. of learn ready for those pupils and that community? I mean, I think that, again, it, you know, being in a unique position, it's been really um amazing to have the opportunity to capitalise on having the one year group, particularly at a time when it really, really does matter. Um, it always matters, but obviously over the last two years, there have been serious gaps, um, particularly in the, um, as you've said, um, education of um, students already coming from difficult backgrounds. Um, sure. It has been brilliant to throw out the, the wasted years idea of, of year seven being the last thing we look at um, yeah. and being able to have also a year where all of our curriculum leaders are teaching year seven, um, where we have extra capacity in terms of the timetable to give more support, um, where we have got tutoring help, um, where we've employed curriculum tutors as well, um, a real focus on reading, a culture that celebrates reading, um, a culture of... Um, uh, you know, high expectations around literacy and the teaching of reading. Um, so it has been great to be able to concentrate solely on those core skills and that those that core knowledge base that we want our year sevens to have. Um, so, yeah, again, I appreciate that, that it's so difficult when you also have got, um, you know, exam classes in a larger school. But for us, it has been brilliant. Um, because we've been able to support students and I don't only mean academically you know we've also been able to have a really strong relationship with families um, and our founding group of form tutors we deliberately made the form tutor groups very small um, we've made reading listening to reading structural in our school day so many things that we've done um, that have really you know provided I think a step change um, for a lot of students coming from either home or primary school um, to secondary school yeah, yeah. But all these I, I things sort of green shoots in terms of, you know, student data as well, um, which which is fantastic. Yeah, it's really, I, I found it really refreshing, that idea of when you've just got year seven, you're just making a curriculum and an experience that is truly best for them. There's no, mm -hmm. no ulterior motives that you need to worry about or no pressures. It's just, let's just build something that's perfect for these 240 kids we've got in front of us. And you're right, it's that luxury, isn't it? Starting something new where you don't have those constraints of timetables that already exist or whatever it might yeah. be that could potentially handcuff you maybe a little and bit. And I think often uh, you probably you probably have the same um, question sort of levelled at you, you know, how are you going to scale up? What's it going to look like in year five? And I'm, I'm as interested in that as I am in capitalising on the fact that we only have one year group. So I'm not not going to do something that I think is going to really impact on the attainment, achievement and well-being of my students, because in year five, it might look a little different. Um, you know, these are unprecedented times. Um, we have got massive gaps to close. So we really are throwing absolutely everything at year sevens and supporting them to, to, to make as much progress as they can, but also to feel confident, you know, that they're back in to the routines, that they're supported, that they enjoy coming to school. Yeah, it's uh, my last um, my last post in Warrington was I joined when the school was in year two. So we just oh. had year seven and eight. And then when you but you're right, when you look at how I left the school, which was like in year nine of the school being open, a lot of things were very different to how they were at the beginning. And I try and tell that to my staff. It's like, we, you know, we're doing these things. We're trying this out. This doesn't mean this is how it's going to be forever. You know, you'll always try and sharpen the saw and make it a bit better. But mm -hmm. it's 
it might look a little different in five years time when you've got you know a bit more capacity of staff or there's a few more pupils but um mm-hmm. it's it, it's still like i say refreshing to have that opportunity and i guess as well with you being the only school in leeds you've got that really nice balance of you've got the support of you know different phases within the the mat and mm-hmm. people who are you know a few years further along in the journey to kind of lean on but you've also got the autonomy I would have thought where people trust you because obviously you've been hired to do the job yeah. and they trust that what you're going to put in place is probably going to stick. Yes, absolutely. I think the the balance is absolutely right that I know that I've got um, people around me that understand um, my vision and what I'm trying to achieve here. Um, but also, um, yeah, I, I really have been able to um, put my own stamp on things. Um, and I do feel that the, again, the staff team that have come on board really um, are already very Trinity Academy leads um, that our culture is really, really strong. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm excited about um, um, more people joining us. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I've got um, I've got another question here and I'll, I'll answer what I think my end and then maybe if you want to jump in, if there's anything you disagree with or you want to add on. So someone said, um, for someone who's looking to go on to SLT, what is mm-hmm. um, some advice that you would give? That's quite a hard one, I think. But for <laughs> me, the one thing I try and I, I try and tell people as much as I can is that I felt something that worked really well for staff I've seen is just that having those discussions with senior leaders, it doesn't mean you have to meet with them every single week, but just being immersed within certain meetings or having discussions with, hey, especially at this early stage, if you're in a small school like yourself, I'm assuming that, you know, you, you speak with the staff quite a lot because there's only say 15 of you. But I found the having those conversations, being part of those um, meetings or whatever that might look like I found as been really really useful for myself at least anyway uh, do you want to is there anything you'd, you'd add on that one like yeah, say, no, a really think, open uh, question there I think again just to pick up on what you said about having a small staff team I feel like we are the SLT um mm-hmm. I'm sure you feel the same because when we have meetings I want as many people as possible to be hearing those messages to give their views and um, mm-hmm. so it feels really nice as a founding team to have that sort of um you know um th- that small smaller group to, to work with um mm-hmm. i would say that um i think it's about um how passionate you are about um your area and how passionate you are about um the responsibilities that you were given um and um making sure that um yeah like you said that you're shadowing leaders um that you're asking those questions that you always always think about how it's going to benefit the young people in your care um, Mm -hmm. And I think becoming ahead, I always wanted to not um, be the best, but try and do the best, do do as much as I can for others. And I think sometimes a race to be an SLT um, is is great, but um, also it's about finding out, you know, what you actually want to do on SLT, where your passions lie and what you can contribute to that founding team. Um, And I also would say that, you know, sometimes moving into SLT, you don't necessarily always get the responsibilities that you would like first time. Um, But again, it's about that breadth of experience so that when you do become ahead, if that's where you want to be, that you have a really full understanding of all those areas. Um, And I think being a curriculum leader as well um, is is a massive, um, you know, learning sort of ground for for future sort of leadership. Um, I definitely would would recommend that um, managing a, a team of people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's you don't really want to chase the chase the uh, the name badge or the signature on the email. And again, I really like that point you mentioned. It's not you don't need to be a superwoman every single day and be the mm-hmm. best person in the school. It's that you know that consistency. And you're right that that autonomy, that mastery, that perp in that in that area that you've kind of got responsibility over is really important. That day to day, I think, is is really key. Um, 
Okay, la- last one for you. Then I'm going to let you have the rest of the afternoon to prep for New Year's Eve. Um, <laughs> it might be an, definitely be an early night for me. I'm not sure what you've got planned, but um, <laughs> the se- September to December, so the obvious main thing in the headlines was, you know, um, schools staying open, um, strong, and then moving into that, you know, strongly advising face masks being worn, and we had our air filters. I'm sure you probably already had them in the building, and CO2 sensors, and all mm-hmm. all this other all this other fun stuff, but. Um, in terms of, again, for this show, like looking back and thinking, oh, these are things we would learn. For. Is there anything you would, and it's, I don't mean like policy and we're going to do these rules, but is there anything you're going into January thinking, right, I've lived that for three months. I think we need to, there needs to be some kind of change in January. It doesn't have to be linked to COVID, but just, you know, just in general, maybe with the school. Is there anything you'd like to do more of or do less of moving forwards into 22? Um, I think, um, and I've just been sat planning our, our inset and, and talking mm. to my um, vice principal, um, we're calling it the, uh, sounds a bit cheesy, the inset reset, um, because I do think that a lot of the things that we have established um, are embedded now, um, and now it's time to really not do something different, but make sure that we revisit those, the things that actually sure. work and that are having impact. Um, mm. So it will be uh, business as usual in January. Um, again, those high expectations, those warm relationships. Um, the fact that we had um, you know, an email at four o'clock um, uh, on a Sunday evening telling us that students were wearing masks, um, our, our students you know, dealt with that brilliantly. Um, I'm waiting for another email to tell me I'm sure that they will still be wearing masks. So mm. that's just something that our students had to get used to quite quickly because they weren't wearing them at primary school um but in terms of the way that we have introduced um you know the the new hygiene regulations into um uh, our routines that we have um already the way that we are sort of staggering um our lunch and our movement around the building uh, nothing will change i think it's just making sure that whilst all of that is happening we are concentrating um on on students getting that quality of education and experience. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that I've seen it worked really well in other schools. You know, that idea of, right, we're coming back after the holiday. Let's revisit, you know, what we're here for, what we're about, those social norms, the things we're trying to do to you know, better ourselves and so on. Um, so Kat, that, that was the last question. I've thrown loads at you there. I really, one, I really appreciate you taking the time. You could have obviously been anywhere today, but I appreciate you giving us the uh, the hour here, especially with me messing up the technology. So just thank you ever so much for your time. Um, it, everything you said there, it makes the, the school obviously comes across really well. It sounds fantastic. And um, I'm sure other people would listen, uh, people listening would agree. Um, if people, I know you're on social media, just give you the opportunity if you wanted to, do you want to sh- kind of share how people could find find you on social media if that is something um, you yeah if you're interested in um, following and supporting the school and um, we've got mm-hmm. two accounts which is on twitter trinity academy leads but also we've got a class of um where we just showcase um you know all of the wonderful things that our students are doing um so there's a real sense of pride that our students have in the school um and it's just really exciting um to, to be able to to open and to offer um what we're offering to, to the young people of east leeds so um if you are interested in finding out more about the school, I'm happy for you to get in touch. Um, and um, we have a website also. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been great to talk to you too. And um, I'm looking forward to coming around and seeing your new build when it's when it's up and running. Yeah, definitely. I might get you over early, get your, your work I've boots on. And get, it's a bit muddy my, at the my, minute. Uh, steel toe cap boots. So I'm <laughs> yeah. that, I'm fine. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, yeah, thanks, Kat. It's uh, fantastic to talk with you. And I'd like to say thank you to everyone for tuning in as well. It's been a real fun couple of episodes, uh, like I say, the holiday special. And hopefully, if, uh, if 
Tom, Mr. Rogers doesn't disagree. Hopefully I'll be joining you again, maybe at a half term or an Easter holiday in the future. I'll make sure that uh, I share everything through the uh, Teacher Talk Radio uh, Twitter account as well, so you can make uh, you can see the accounts that Cat was just talking about there. I uh, hope you all have a fantastic uh, New Year's Eve, and um, he's looking forward to hopefully a healthier and uh, happier 2022. So, my name's been Benjamin Barker. I'm signing off. Make sure you enjoy the new year, and hopefully, I'll speak to you all soon. Bye bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.